O grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, this morning I'm going to talk about doing our duty. In fact, in our current day and age, maybe it's not a very popular topic. In fact, we see so many people out there claiming that they need to be following their dreams rather than doing their duty that, you know, it kind of is a, a common theme, really, isn't it? And I'm not going to spend a, a lot of time attacking dreams today, but, you know, dreams certainly can be taken too far, can't they? No, your great aunt Millie comes for a visit, perhaps, and she has had, you know, three husbands, three divorces, and then she lived with two or three other people, and she begins to tell you about how she's followed her dream. When she was back there with that first husband and three kids, oh, she had a dream. And her dream led her out to wherever. And she had a dream. See? That's the, the kind of, of dream that we're speaking against today. This kind of dream that is not anchored in duty. But when someone's dreams are anchored within their duty, you can go and you can talk to that person. I, I, I could go and oh, I'll pick on Doug a little bit. I could go to Doug and I could ask him about the dreams he has for his farm. And maybe he would tell me about how he's saving for a, a, a newer combine that he, you know, he plans to get you know, two or three years down the road. And he might tell me about how he's going to be you know, rotating his crops you know, in the, the, the coming season. He might tell me about some plans that, that he has, that maybe there's some adjacent property that, you know, first he, he's going to lease, and, and then, you know, he's going to try to eventually buy, perhaps, to, to grow his farm. And, you know, certainly dreams are good, and certainly, you know, dreams help us to prepare for the future. But if our dreams are not anchored in our duty... Then we go back to that first example, don't we? Where we don't have the drive and we don't have the responsibility. We don't have the thing that we need the most to make it happen. That, oh, my husband, my three kids, they were weighing me down and I had a dream that I would just go and be free. And we threw duty out the window. And, and uh, dear friends, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to the, the fellas, you know, first of all, right, when, when you know, great Aunt Matilda comes to your house, you're, you're a little bit uncomfortable, aren't you, right? Because we don't really want our wives to be absorbing, you know, that kind of dream mentality. I'd rather Aunt Matilda maybe stayed home. 
right? Because we don't want people around us leading us away from God. That's the bottom line, isn't it? Right, because you, you know the Bible verses, you know, do, do not commit adultery. Right, it's one of the Ten Commandments. And Aunt Matilda's committed a lot of adultery in her life. We don't really want her in our house. Flee immorality. Why, what does that mean, to, to flee? The Bible doesn't just say, hey, you know, take half a step back and strike a pose. When immorality is present, let's just flee from it. Right? You know, you jump up and you're out of there. Right? Flee from false doctrine. You know, someone begins to, to tell you, you know, words that would lead you away from God's purpose. And uh, again, you know, you, oh yeah, I'll take half a step back and, and, you know, my body language changed a little bit, you know, and, and I respectfully continue to listen. This is kind of what society says we ought to do. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ says, get out of there. Right? Someone is speaking words of, of falsehood to lead you astray, and you just get out of there. You get away from those people. Right? You, you don't want to be around. You don't want to take advice from them even. And so, you know, I, I, I picked on the, the you know, the... The, the women a, a little bit, you know, in, in the beginning, but to pick on, on you fellas as well. How often, you guys, have you called up your good friend, I'm going to make up a, a name because I, I, I don't want to offend anybody by using the wrong name. You, you called up your good friend, Biff Rifkin. There's a name for you. So you're going to ask him for some advice. And, and your, your, your wife was walking by, but you didn't really think about it. You're talking to your good friend, Biff Rifkin, on the phone. And, you know, Biff, he coveted his neighbor's wife. And then he orchestrated things to be able to steal his neighbor's wife away. And now he, he's got his neighbor's wife and they're, they're living together. And you're, you're talking to Biff Rifkin and asking for advice. And did you wonder why your wife maybe got a little bit tense? Because there you were, talking to a known adulterer, talking to one who coveted his neighbor's wife, asking that individual for advice. We need to be able to consider who is in our inner circle, who it is we're asking for advice. Could you not have gained that same advice by going to the Word of God? Could you not have gained that, that same advice by uh, going to a, a fellow Christian, going to godly people within your church? Could you not have gained the same advice by following that word of God, you see? And you wondered maybe, well, why was your wife a little bit tense? When you're talking to your good friend, Biff Rifkin. 
Why would that be? Well, sometimes we begin to be led astray, don't we? Sometimes we begin to just kind of discount that word of God. And, you know, so often it it happens, right, within our our family relationships because our families are pretty important to us, aren't they? And so, you know, when, when, you know, Aunt Aunt Millie, you know, did did all that stuff that she did, we said, well, it's Aunt Millie. I, you know, I, 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 I sure don't, don't want to, you know, be mean to Aunt Millie. Well, does that mean we should let Aunt Millie come into the, the house and, you know, spew out false doctrine and, you know, begin to lead people in our own family astray? And it happens so often in, in our world today, doesn't it? You know, we, we see, you know, that the housewife is under attack, isn't she? You know, think about it back, back in the, the 50s. You know, maybe you would send uh, your daughter to college to major in homemaking, where she would take various classes on managing the finances of the Home and, and she'd take various classes on, you know, cooking good, nutritious meals. And, and, you know, she would graduate from a program like that with the purpose of, you know, being a homemaker. Right? Being a, a homemaker was an honored profession, wasn't it? And then you fast forward to the present day when we have all the social media is around saying, oh, she's wasting her life. But raising godly children that can come to contribute to society and and taking care of the the husband that God himself gave to her to be her husband. These are a waste of life. But it's over here, isn't it? But dear friends, our Lord and Savior, you know, he brings us back and he says, you know, flee from false doctrine. He says, you know, get away from those things that are encumbering you. Get away from those people that are, you know, hurting you. Stop calling Biff Rifkin to get his advice and go to the Lord God. Stop letting Aunt Millie fill your head with ideas about freedom and going after your dream and come back to that reality of doing your duty. Because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he demonstrates on this very day just what duty is, doesn't he? Duty means that he loved people so very much that even knowing what was going to happen to him, he came to Jerusalem anyway. And even knowing that at the end of the week he was going to be crucified, he went to that city anyway. And full well knowing everything that was going to be taking place, he placed his life in the Father's hands. 
They said, God, if this is where you want me to be, and if this is what you want me to be doing, I will do it. Dear friends, those words seem so powerful because it's almost the complete opposite of our world today, isn't it? Or we find so many people, you know, seeking the, the easy way or, or seeking the, the thing that, you know, gives me a, a bubbly feeling, uh, seeking after the, the easiest path, trying to, to get maybe the, the most income for the least amount of work that we can put in. We see so many people going in those directions and Jesus comes into the midst of that and he says, do God's will. Flee from immorality. Flee from false doctrine. Make sure that you have a good inner circle. You have godly people to be able to talk with. You're going to God's word every day to make your important decisions. It's not just based on my feelings. So often even Christians can be led astray by that concept of, you know, I'm, I'm just going to kind of pray about it. Okay, well, what they mean is they're just going to kind of, you know, think about it in, in different ways and, you know, however their feelings maybe come to lead them, then they will go in that direction and, and then they can kind of piously say, oh, you know, I, I, I prayed, uh, prayed about it. Well, okay, here you, you have a, a, a commandment. Right, the commandment says, you know, don't, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't steal your neighbor's wife. Don't enter into an adulterous relationship with your neighbor's wife. Right, we have some commandments, but you prayed about it. And you decide that's what you're going to do. Okay. Well, guess what? I, I don't think that's what God probably told you to do because all you had to do was open his word and you could see what his intention was. Right? But that happens a lot, doesn't it? I prayed about it, and, and you know, my, my, my present spouse, I, I, I had a revelation from God that uh, she, she just wasn't the one. Sorry, not you. How many times do you see people doing that? But all they had to do is return to the Word of God. All they had to do was go to the Holy Scripture and read about what their duty was. It's easy to know. It's easy to discern. God didn't write some mysterious manual. You, you don't even have to go to seminary for four years to be able to understand what God's Word says. You can just pick it up and read for yourself, you see. 
But Jesus gives us that return to a dream that's anchored in our duty. A dream that comes from within that will of God. A dream that then is right and salutary in God's eyes. A dream that can be formed in reality. A dream that Jesus had to make things better. To save us all. Yes, dear friends, you know, we might have had you know, dreams for our children as they were growing up, right? And again, you can just kind of have some, some you know, pie-in-the-sky dreams about, oh, you know, my, my child, of course, is going to be a great athlete. And, you know, like, like all of you, that's what I, I thought all my boys would be great athletes. And my, you know, son, or son is going to, you know, be a, a big brain, you know, he's going to do really well in school. And, you know, my, my child is, of course, going to be a Christian. And so, you know, there's going to be that aspect as well. And, you know, we have all of these dreams. But if we never take the right action, you know, if you never sat down with your, your child and taught him or her how to read, then you just kind of left it to the school and, you know, maybe some of the teachers didn't do that good of a job, and then you just kind of shrugged it off, and, and, you know, then if we just have a dream, but we don't take the action, right, we don't have dominion, that it can fall apart, right? You know, with, with all my, my boys, you know, they're going to be, you know, great athletes. Well, it, it meant that we started them at a young age playing them sports. And my wife and I drove back and forth, you know, countless hundreds of miles to get them to different practices. And to encourage them in, in these different endeavors. We didn't just say, oh, hey, you know, I, I think you could probably learn about sports by, you know, playing your video game in the basement. And so if you play lots of video games, I'm sure when you're 18, you'll be really good at sports. It's like, no, it takes that action. It, it takes the, the duty. It takes that responsibility. It, it, it takes, you know, having a, a dream, yes, but, right, putting effort behind it, doesn't it? And dear friends, again, that is what Jesus did for us. He didn't just say, oh, I hope everybody makes it into heaven because I'd really like them to be here and now I'm going to kind of kick back on my cloud and see what happens. But no, Jesus, he came down to this earth himself and he dwelt among us. Right, you know, Jesus, he, he'd never experienced no heat or cold before, right? In Minnesota, we kind of know what it's like to experience cold. This got through another winter. And then as the summer comes, we get to August, and we kind of know how, what it is to experience heat. And about, you know, August 15th, we're saying, I, I can't wait for the snow to come back. Right? And then January 15th, we're saying, boy, I can't wait for August. 
Now, just some small detail like that, some, you know, kind of petty irritation. You know, Jesus had never had to put up with any of those things. And yet he came into this world knowing he was going to suffer the, the most excruciating pain, the, the most kind of lengthy, prolonged form of death. And he's going to do it because it was his duty. Because in order to achieve his goal of us having an open way to heaven, that's what it would take. And he did it. He loved each of us so very much that even knowing the times that we would fail, even knowing, fellas, the, the times you call up your friend Biff Rifkin to ask him for advice instead of going to the Word of God. And, and yeah, even knowing, you, you ladies, that you let you know, Aunt Matilda come to your home and, and fill it with false doctrine and, you know, pie-in-the-sky dreams. Even knowing that we wouldn't be able to walk the line every day, that we wouldn't always do everything just right, he came anyway. The times we failed to consult with him, the times we failed to go to him in our daily struggles, the times that we failed to actually get his guidance in our prayers and instead we just said, oh, hey, this is how I feel and I'll tell everybody else I prayed about. For all the times that we fell short, for the times that we committed sin, Jesus died for us. He loves us that much. How deep the love of Jesus Christ that he would reach down into our midst. That even though we say, I am a sinner, that he would love us so much. Lord, be merciful to me, a poor sinful being. And he is. Amen. And may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.